Finding your perfect home was hard, but thanks to Burrow, furnishing it has never been easier. Burrow's easy-to-assemble modular sofas and sectionals are made from premium, durable materials, including stain and scratch-resistant fabrics. So they're not just comfortable and stylish, they're built to last. Plus, every single Burrow order ships free right to your door. Right now, get 15% off your first order at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's 15% off at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. I'm Hersha Patel and this is Let's Eat, a podcast supported by McCain. In this five-part series, we're looking at the evolution of mealtimes in Britain, from hosting a dinner party to bottom-of-the-fridge meals. We're inviting cooks, food writers and their friends and families to join us for a meal and share their secrets of mixing good food and great company. In today's episode, I'm joined by three guests who see food as the ultimate comfort. I know it's a cliche, but one of them is definitely Borscht. Olia Hercules is a chef, food writer and stylist. Her new book, Caucuses, came out in August. Sort of thing that hugs your tummy, and that's always what you want with comfort food. Lope Ario is a food writer and chef and was The Observer's 2017 rising star for food. There are times when you just want to go back home without actually physically... You know, going there. And Debbie Ario is Lope's mother. What do they eat when they need a little TLC for the body and mind? And what is it that makes comfort food truly comforting? Is it nostalgia or something else? Pull up a seat and let's find out. My name is Lope Ario. I am a food blogger, cookbook author of Hibiscus, and I am also a restaurant chef. Lope, what are you cooking? I am making boiled yams with sweet plantains and then a very nice, very simple, spicy egg. And is that a dish that you've created or is that something from your childhood? It's from my childhood. It's like what my, my uncle used to basically cook for my family and I growing up. It's like it's one of those foods that you can have for breakfast, lunch or dinner. A lot of Lope's food combines her... British and Nigerian roots. She grew up in Croydon and then spent a few years at boarding school in Nigeria. And this really comes out in her cooking. In her last year of university, encouraged by very nice friends, she entered a competition that was set by Red Magazine and publishers HarperCollins. She won and her book Hibiscus was published earlier this year. It's been widely praised for its accessible approach to Nigerian food. And I particularly like the cover. Amazing to have a dish that's that you can cook for breakfast, lunch and dinner. I've got one of those and definitely and it involve, involves eggs as well. Hi, my name is Olia Hercules. I'm a chef and food writer and I'm the author of two cookbooks, Mamushka and Caucasus. Olia's food always pays tribute to her Ukrainian heritage. She's a massive fan of pickles and dill, of course. But having also lived in Cyprus and Italy, she's travelled all over the world cooking and eating and her vast culinary experience just keeps on expanding. 
Let's hear a bit more about how Olia likes her eggs. It's just some pork fat in the pan and then you add just sliced tomatoes, garlic, eggs. Oh, but first you fry bread in the fat actually. Then you push the bread to the side and put the tomatoes and eggs in and some uh, grated garlic over the tomatoes and then serve the loads of herbs. Bread's always really good, isn't it? It's just like the sort of thing that hugs your tummy and that's always what you want with comfort food. Yams are pretty much a staple in Nigerian food. So what's the process here? To the yams, I'm going to add some sugar and some coconut oil and it just brings out the sweetness of the yams a lot more. And then you just boil it until it's basically soft and you can pierce a fork through it. For the plantains, it's just a case of frying it very quickly until it turns like a nice golden with like the veins showing as like brown. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> Debbie, is this a dish that you pass down to your daughter? Oh, uh, definitely not. She, <laughs> she, she learned it from her uncle, who is a much better cook than I am. Well, I'm Debbie Ario. I'm Lopez's mom, and I am CEO of a charity called Africa. Debbie is the first to admit she's a more accomplished eater than she is cook. Unlike Lope, she doesn't work in the food industry. She runs a child welfare charity and was actually awarded an OBE in 2011 for her work with children and families. But loving food clearly runs in the family and Lope's grandma and auntie and uncles have all taught her recipes and skills over the years. And at least Debbie and Lope don't need to fight over who's in charge in the kitchen. She's more than happy to take a back seat. We're actually opposites. I don't enjoy cooking. She does enjoy cooking a lot. I don't really know where she got it from, but definitely not from me. What age did she start showing a flair for cooking? When she was in secondary school. Definitely. And I used to work a bit late anyway. And so, you know, she will come from school and she will look after herself and play around in the kitchen. By the time I come home, she's probably even made something for me as well. I'm saying, oh, wow, that's nice. Lucky mama. Lucky mama. (laughs) (laughs) I did my best to prepare what I could prepare, but she never liked it. You know, so it's like, you know, you've slaved for like two hours in the kitchen and she goes, no, I don't like that. So I said, okay, fine. If you don't like it, then... You know, do your own thing. She does make a very, very good tuna melt, though. We used to, like, make it in the oven, didn't we? So we roasted the bread, then we put thick slices of cheese, and then, like, we sprinkled over the tuna. It just came out so amazingly. That was one thing I will say my mum can make very well. (laughs) I suppose that's what you look for, like, when it comes to comfort food. You don't want something that takes, like, eight... Well, I mean, for some people, they do want something that takes ages, but, like, you want that immediate, like, like relief. So, like, yeah, hug your, hug your stomach. <laughs> She's keeping it simple in the kitchen, using just one knife and a chopping board to make her food. She's got the chopped yams boiling away while she prepares her plantain and eggs. This plantain is some of the most delicious plantain I've ever tried, ever. But, um, it's, it's literally it's just, just plantain and oil, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But that's, it's, that's why it's really so... good comforting oh are you adding some spices so yeah i'm using onion granules on top of like extra onions celery salt celery salt is so amazing i think it's so underused and cayenne pepper and some nutmeg well i was going to add the nutmeg to the plantains but everyone seems to like it how it is so i might not add any more <laughs> no you've added um egg to your tomatoes onions yeah. and chilies yes delicious and then it's just just slowly turning it around so that you get like these big chunky oh, bits. Oh, big chunks of eggs. It took me a very long time to realise it, but like if you just swish it around like very constantly, then that's when you get like the small tiny pieces. And it's, it tastes great again, but it's it's not like 
I suppose, Instagrammable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, see, I was going to say that's how, when I do my spicy eggs, mine are tiny. I, I swish it around a lot because I like the texture. But yeah, okay. it's not as pretty looking. <laughs> but this looks great. And, and it's also, I think, yeah, looks like it's going to taste amazing. So one of the best days of my life has to have been the day my husband and I watched seven films in one day. It was epic. It was comforting for many reasons. One of the most important reasons was the food. Go to the shop once and get as many bowls as possible and fill them with lots of different treats like crisps, nuts, fruit, olives, what's-its, anything you can think of that that's within easy reach. And then the ultimate treat was getting the takeaway kebab. Absolutely essential on a day like that. That to me, the takeaway, the kebab, the lots of bowls of comforting little tastes and the films and the sofa and the duvet was the ultimate day of comfort. And obviously the comfort food was uh, integral to that. Okay, so we've all got, our, well, just me, I've got a cup of tea in my hand and we're all sitting on the sofas, the very comfortable sofas in our kitchen, having eaten a delicious meal cooked by Lope, eggs, plantain and yams, delicious. So when it comes to comfort food, do you guys think it has to be connected to nostalgia? In most cases, yes, but there are some dishes that I came to that have nothing to do with my childhood, actually. Like the Nigel Slater, loads of confit garlic, pasta, goat's cheese, thyme recipe. That's just something that I cooked for myself once and then slowly became my own little personal comfort dish. A lot of my comfort foods have come from uni. Having friends introduce me to like different things. Halloumi was something I had for the first time at uni. And it was very simple. It was like she literally um, fried it in a pan until it was like nice and brown. Like now I have it like almost every like time I can get my hands on it. What about you, Debbie? There are times when you just want to go back home without actually physically, you know, going there. And what better way to go back home by, than by, you know, kind of like, maybe not necessarily cooking it myself. You could just go to a <laughs> restaurant and just have, just remind you of what things used to be in those days when you were growing up, you know, back home in Nigeria. So yeah, for me, nostalgia and comfort food, the go hand in hand. See, I, I feel like the definition of comfort food isn't one specific thing. I think, I feel like it's, for me, comfort food is childhood and my culture. And then comfort food is when I just want to hang out and do nothing and have something quick and sort of a bit naughty. They're very different things, but they're equally as comforting. Yeah. <laughs> Ollie, you talked about cooking for your son from where you're from. What would your traditional comfort food be? I know it's a cliche, but one of them is definitely borscht. <laughs> That's one thing that, um, well, he keeps asking for over and over. And we've got two, well, we've got loads of different types of borscht, but we've got one that's green. It involves sorrel and actually not a lot of beetroot at all. And there's the traditional kind of meaty, rich beetroot one. And he loves the red one. So he's like, Mama, are you making, are you making borscht? I'm like, yeah, he's like, is it a red one? And if I'm making the green one, I'll just 
quietly on the dealer just grate a little bit of beetroot into his and sell it to him as the bread one and he goes for it <laughs> so i know i've mentioned what my perception of comfort food is but for you guys it is comfort food just a traditional thing or how would you define comfort food i think for me in terms of what at least what it has been in like the past few years is probably therapy as well because um i did maths maths can be very stressful when I sort of just wanted to get away from it, when I just wanted to take time out for myself, I think cooking was what I did, especially like with baking things as well, because I find you have to be very precise and very careful. It just makes you sort of take the time out to actually think about things um, properly as opposed to thinking that you always have to rush and like get things done like immediately, like you're, you're actually just taking your time to make sure everything works out. It's the act of cooking which is comforting to you. Yeah. Definitely. And what about you, David? It's the, the, um, the act of eating. <laughs> the I'm not even going to claim to be a good uh, cook in any way. And, and that's not self-depreciating. It's just, it's just not my thing, really. Comfort food for me is about enjoying the meal with other people, friends. And when my daughter went to uni, especially then, that became much more crucial, important for me, food being a form of a way of coping <laughs> without being away. So it's that feeling of connecting and feeling of love and yeah. showing that through cooking and providing and those smells and tastes that you picked up from being younger, from when you were younger, you're trying to carry them through. And You know, I'm so close to my family and I've never really been apart from them f- until I went to university here when I was 18. So I came here alone. It's like in the middle of nowhere in the Midlands and Coventry. I went to Warwick University. But I wasn't a, uh, an avid cook before. I actually, you know, my mom was an amazing cook and I just didn't, wasn't interested. And at some point, I just had this craving to make this actually Central Asian dish that my grandma brought uh, to Ukraine and that we grew up with, which is very simple and very comforting. So you've got, you just um, poach some chicken in the stock. Then you pull the chicken meat when it's um, nice and uh, soft. Lift the uh, fat off the broth and cook onions in it until they're really nicely caramelized. And then you make a very simple kind of pasta dough. And then you just layer it. It's just pasta, your onions, the chicken, and that's it. So I just thought I, I must have missed my family so much. I was like an inexperienced cook as well. And I was like, I'm going to make this. But the only shop that there was around was a, not an amazing supermarket. Uh, so I had to go and get the chicken from there. And unfortunately, the dish was just absolutely disgusting. <laughs> it didn't work. I needed the good chicken. I mean, yeah. it's only four ingredients, but I needed all of those things to make it really. And actually, and then I kind of got really discouraged and I haven't cooked. I stopped cooking or trying to cook Ukrainian food for, for a very long time until I actually made that connection between ingredients and, and home and how important they are and what makes a dish taste good. Are there any dishes that you guys were cooked as children that were your parents designed to comfort you? Oh, so I was a really weird eater, actually, when I was little and very picky as well. I'm not anymore. I think when I hit teenage years, it kind of stopped and I I eat everything now. In fact, I'm a very adventurous eater, but at the point I, I didn't. And when I was ill one day, I remember my mom just tried to give me this and that and she's just tried all of the dishes that she knew and then she just threw the you know kitchen towel on the, on the floor and just went, I can't do this anymore. And she called my dad. <laughs> and my dad comes in the kitchen. I'm sitting there with my blanket like, 
and he just makes this soup, which was, and in the end we called it papski soupchik, which means papa soup. And it was literally just a little bit of water, some onion, a couple of potatoes, some vermicelli, and like just some chopped egg. And That's a little it. bit of dill at the end, always with the dill. But it just, it was a hit. Like, I ate the whole little pot that he made, not just one plate. And ever since then, if I ever was ill, it'd just be like, my mom wouldn't even try. She'd just be like, call my dad, like, make popsky <laughs> soup chick. That's it. I'm intrigued by that, because that just sounds like watery. Yeah, no, it was, yeah. But something about the uh, the boiled egg kind of uh, disintegrating in, in the soup as well that created this kind of really comforting mm. situation. I don't know. When I was um, in school in um, Nigeria, when I went for the weekend to spend with my grandma, she would always make this bean pudding for me. And I really liked it because there was a special way she made it. What made it memorable was the actual act of doing it with my grandma and connecting and learning about my grandma. It's called Moi Moi, isn't yeah. it? Is that what moi you're moi. Yeah. Is it called Moi Moi? moi and moi. it's in your book. Yeah, yeah. I'm it's, going it's, to take oh, a picture of that. Yeah. <laughs> And then no, buy your book, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> you said, Lope, it's the process as well. That, yeah. you, know, you kind of want to go yeah. through that. Yeah. You wanna... It's actually great when your mum had her own process that she went through with you. And she's going through the same process with your with your daughter. Well, how does that make you feel seeing it's, that? It's great. I mean, she didn't have much success with me. <laughs> but, but she's yeah. had Double an impact. Double strength in this one. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> when I... You know, I left Nigeria to come here. I was 21. So it's been quite a long time. And for many people in my situation, the thing you remember the most are those little things that, you know, they seem ordinary. I cooking on the fire, I cooking with leaves, and so on and so forth. But looking back, those are the things that made your childhood worthwhile, you know, that made them so different, so kind of like memorable. And these are things that you probably would never have again unless you want to move back to, you know, Nigeria or, I don't know, to the Ukraine and so on and so forth. So those are the things you hang on to. So it's not just the, it's just not about nostalgia. It's also about history history yeah. and, and culture and identity. And, and identity. Yeah. We've talked a lot about the food of our heritage, our heritage and our culture. But um, British comfort food, there's a lot to be said for that. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> earlier, Debbie... You uh, let us into a little secret here. And I mean, I wouldn't say, is it British comfort food? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it definitely is. But you were very reticent to uh, share it with us. But what's your um, go-to little (laughs) bit of comfort? Pot noodles. (laughs) (laughs) A good old pot noodles. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose every meal has its usefulness, you know, whether it's pot noodles (laughs) or it's moi moi. Pot noodles has its usefulness. Of course, it's not very healthy, but... You know, sometimes when you're, you've, you've, you've come from work, it's like midnight. You you know you need to eat something, but you don't want to eat anything too heavy. Then the pot noodle comes in very handy. Recently, because I, I, I cook a lot of Indian food and my husband's very British and he enjoys Indian food. But a few weeks ago, he just kind of sat there and he said, oh, I'm really just craving, you know, a kind of good British proper cottage pie that's what I'd really like <laughs> and I just kind of looked at him and then went to the kitchen and made him a cottage pie <laughs> nice. and he was really happy and he, he ate the whole thing told me off for giving him too much but that to him was I think he was just I don't know missing his mum or something but I, I made him that and it was it was a very British dish and um mashed potato isn't it yeah the, ma- it's the mash, mash is definitely one yeah. of mine 
Yeah, good mm. like buttery, yeah. milky mash with no lumps and like a nice pickle on the side. I like that addition though, the pickle. The, the pickle really cuts through all the kind of fattiness of the croup. Milkiness, yeah, it's good. I've got two. I've got English breakfast, like the best on a hangover, and Sunday roast, like the really crispy roast potatoes. Mm. Those two are my like my go to. Uh, It's all about the vegetables and the roast, isn't it? Yeah, ah, yes. See, that reminds me of it. So, I have this term, this word I made up, determined to get into the dictionary. It's called dragging. So, to, to drag is when you're when you just sit, watch telly, watch films all day, eat what food you want. So you sit out and drag out. And um, do you want to come around and drag? Do you want to drag out? Let's have a dragathon. My stepdaughter, she's eight years old now. One of her favourite things to do is drag because <laughs> she knows she can eat on the sofa. So I give her food. She's allowed it on the sofa. I make her a little bowl of nuts and some crisps, and that's her comfort food. And we drag out. It's brilliant. I'm going to use, use it that now. We, 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 we love yeah. doing that too. Yeah. So. <laughs> what do you have when you drag? We may or may not have had pizza in bed with my son. Oh, yeah. A few times. That's amazing. Not a lot, but a couple of times it did happen and watched like cartoons on a laptop. That is a full drag. But that's brilliant. It's a treat. Bed, bed drag. Yeah, bed drag. <laughs> Can't believe I said that. Edit that out. Oh my god. No, that makes me feel good because uh, yeah, we've we've hit those kind of lows. <laughs> Not lows. They're highs. No, yeah. They're important. They're, they're comforting. Yeah, they're family are. time. Yeah, they are. <laughs> my drag. I, I'm very much into anime, so I would probably sit in like my jammies, and um, I think I'd probably like get like loads of popcorn. Like homemade popcorn. Yeah. You can sprinkle it with whatever you want. And I, I literally just sit like watching my animes, like hugs like... all around. So Long live the drag. Fantastic. <laughs> 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 it will be in the dictionary. This is one step closer, seriously. <laughs> So the thing about comfort food, I think, is that there are many different categories of comfort food or you can approach it in a few different ways. With Lope, she enjoys the process of cooking. It comforts her. I can identify with that. And and also there's the person you're cooking for or being cooked for can be comforting your parents, the dishes they made you as a child. And then there's the quick go-to almost naughty snacks that can be comforting that you can just switch your head off and feel a bit of happiness through that bit of chocolate or a bit of ice cream but whatever it is these foods are really important and they have an emotional connection that's quite an important connection with food that it isn't just a soulless object it's um it's part of who we are as humans i think god that was deep Next time, I'm playing third wheel and joining two special guests while they prepare a romantic meal for two. That's Let's Eat a Romantic Meal for Two, next week with me, Hersha Patel. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts at theguardian.com forward slash audio. Special thanks to Olia, Lope and Debbie and to our producer Lucy Dearlove at Rethink Audio. Jason Phipps is The Guardian's head of audio. Until next time... Goodbye.
For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.